0: I'm Enrique Barrios, y Presidente es mejor cerveza. Deadwater, son los mejores bebidos. No Abate, poor, no Filter Network. Will the Thrill Clark, not here today. Miguelito, San Diego, not here today. But, dead or alive, job or no job, here or not here. You guys know we always properly salute our boys. Yes, 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 yes. Whoa. Remember this, folks when we are juiceful, we are useful. And when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. A very pleasant good morning to you, Monday morning, the 20th of November, 2023. It is Thanksgiving week got back from vegas actually late on saturday night i got to go see sissy small fry ride in the national championships of horse jumping so it was pretty cool it was her first year there i think a really big learning experience unfortunately the horse didn't go lame i don't think that's the right word but it had a little bit of a misstep it sprained its knee uh, Nonetheless, it actually, I believe, was a blessing in disguise because what happened was she had a really nice, clean run, her last run on Friday night. And then on Saturday, the horse was acting a little weird. She went out there for the first run, and the horse refused the first jump twice. Ball game and I love the announcer after the second one the announcer is thank you that means that's enough well you know originally obviously you're going to be filled with emotions and be like man that sucks but per aspera ad astra is what I always like to tell the LTP boys is through hardship to the stars and essentially I'd love to say that oh yeah. Well, well you know how awful I don't know it's kind of like the tale of the farmer and they say where you know the the farmer's horse you know ran away and then eventually uh you know the neighbor comes up and's like oh your horse ran away it's such bad luck and the farmer's like yeah you know we'll see so then the next thing you know the the horse comes back and the neighbor's like wow the horse is back you know that's uh that's good luck he's like yeah you know we'll see and then apparently the the you know, daughter was riding the horse and then or was the son that was riding the horse and he falls off the horse he breaks his leg and the neighbor comes by he's like yeah well, you know geez like wow what bad luck and farmer's like yeah we'll see so then the military comes because they're recruiting for the war that's going on and they're come to take the sun but they can't take the sun because uh he has a broken leg right he's incapacitated so neighbor comes by he's like oh what good luck the farmer says we'll see look when i saw that i saw the horse refuse it i'm like "Ah, i'd much rather see that happen than if a horse is going with the sprained knee going over i don't know how many jumps they do i think like nine or something going over nine jumps because next thing you know what are the Something happens to the horse, it goes crashing through the barriers and off goes sissy small fry. So I like to treat everything where, all right, this is a great learning experience. I'm glad the horse is, is going to be fine and sure, a little disappointing in the moment. Uh, but overall, a, a really cool experience this past weekend. Okay, today's Daily Hustle, by the way. Is brought to you by hold tight here because I got a brand new script from Giuseppe Pepe Manueli this morning. Bet online. That's right. The holiday season is off and rolling with the NFL in full stride and NBA and NHL hitting mid-season form. Bet online. is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info with up to the minute sports wagering news. Odds. Trends, predictions, bet online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four, bet online has the info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played from MMA to international soccer. Head to bet online today and remember to use the promo code. Believe capital B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Also, by the way, as we go into this corner, if you're watching on No Filter Network, bam, there's your promo code for KT Tape. That's right, KT Tape is. The number one tape on the market. It actually is incredible. I do not pimp products. I do not use. You guys know that. And as soon as I get off here, I'm going to fire two pieces of tape on my hamstring, which I got a little twinge yesterday playing pickleball. And then I think I got a little soreness right over here on the left side of the knee. I get a little there. And I don't know if it was from throwing batting practice. Or maybe I'm on my 30th straight day of pickle. But the right arm's a little sore. So I'll tape this bad boy up. KT tape. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I did not say the Holiday Inn Express last night. But I will tell you this. It works. It lifts the skin. It promotes blood flow to the area. The blood flow then obviously reduces inflammation. Ember leaves pain. Pretty simple. KT tape. You like the shirt? I don't know. Not sure if I can get you one of these, but I can get you some of this by hitting that QR code. Go ahead and pick yourself up some KT tape if you are dealing with anything. And then we got the mom and dad water back there. It's fantastic. I've been drinking yeah three to four of those things a night. I'm not kidding, and it's the perfect number. As I get older, I don't like getting fucked up. Uh, not at all. It's, it's. you wake up, you're hungover, no bueno. But this mom and dad water, especially the dad water, the tequila and water, you play for the tie, you wake up refreshed, ready to go. Go ahead and check that out. Uh, you can buy it. I You can buy it online and uh, all sorts of stores. So we're developing a new partnership with them currently as we speak. And then lastly... Try our guy, Jory, over at Verge. That's right. Go to tryverge.com. This is cannabis-based product with honey and lemon. This one has ginger in it as well. You shake it up. If you're looking for a quick boost, but not that jittery boost, the type that would keep you smooth sailing through a 47-minute daily hustle, this is exactly what you need and once again i do not pimp products i don't use so cheers Joy. really soothing on the throat as well okay today's daily hustle electronic email communication sent out this morning to all those who subscribe to the dh to tens of thousands of people we actually have a really good open rate i think we do at least it's like 40 some odd percent that's pretty good i believe it's pretty good i'd heard that if you could get a 20 percent open rate back in the day and when we first started sending these out that that was supposed to be legit this is well above that. It's double that so we actually have a lot of them pressing on towards uh 50 excuse my Right leg just kind of perched up here, like I don't know what Captain Hook or what is it the the rum guy. You guys know what I'm talking about. I got to get this stretch in, though. My hammy is barking a little bit. So today's daily hustle, Buenos dias. Today is Monday, November twentieth, twenty twenty three. Daily hustle quote of the day. This is so good. It was one of my favorite, and I might, I feel like I might have mentioned it. On the last Daily Hustle, because I got it from John Gall, who, by the way, still reads a newspaper. John Gall is the all time hits leader at Stanford. He's my cousin and he's a real estate mogul now, soon to be. Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. He is also on the board of USA Baseball. And John will text our commitment thread, where it's myself rtl that's richard terry lloyd in case you're curious and kowalski and so we'll send quotes we'll send passages from the bible there's an angus buchan uh thing it's it's a little bit of a beautiful mess is probably how i would explain the text thread we're all perfectly flawed human beings so we do we have anything from Angus, who is our South African preacher man, that will give us a sermon every single morning uh, with some Bible passages. It's it's fantastic, and then we'll do other motivational type stuff, uh, funny IG posts. Like it doesn't matter what it is. A couple of midgets riding dolphins the other day was you know really popular. If you haven't seen this one, you got to check it out. It, it's what it's one of the best because. They weren't even riding dolphins. They actually went in, and there were two little people, and there were two two dudes that jump in. The guys jump in, and the little people jump in after them, and then the guys are doing the dolphin kick in the water, and the midgets are are, are riding the dudes. <laughs> One of the funniest IG posts I've, I've ever seen. I mean, really. So, anyhow. All right, uh, onward and upward as we get into this daily hustle. There's only one way to avoid criticism. Do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. Aristotle. Daily hustle translation. I may be wrong, but I got to believe our dude Teddy studied some Aristotle in his day. Just as our 26th president pointed out. It's not the critic that counts. The credit belongs to the man in the fucking arena. Yet, when we are in the arena, whether we are successful or not, we will be criticized. As a professional baseball player, ultra endurance athlete, broadcaster, tech co-founder, public speaker, writer, youth baseball coach, and aspiring pickleball savage, I literally have dealt with critics and naysayers my entire life. When we are the ones who are proactively charging life and actually doing shit, we often ignite insecure and jealous reactions from the inconsequential, deadbeat outsiders that aren't. Bottom line, so long as we are doing anything meaningful with our lives, the critics will be there. That said, when we fire up the double bird to all the detractors and... (laughs) immerse ourselves in the process of work what we do will speak so loudly we won't be able to hear what anybody else is saying eb okay now i have dealt with this my my whole life and i think that when i was a kid i was super competitive and i was good so i would always have to play up and when you're a younger kid and you're playing up and then you're just as good, if not better than the older kids, the older kids don't like it. So that's why and how I had to scrap my entire childhood. And also I wasn't going to back down to anybody. So in that sense, the critics were sometimes my teammates, sometimes opponents, whatever, whatever. But I got used to that. And then I went to St. Francis and you go to high school and you're in high school, man, it's tough, especially back then where you have all these guys, I don't know what a hundred kids go out for the football team. They keep 50, 50 kids went out for the baseball team. They keep 15. And there's always going to be that person, whoever it is, whether it's, you know, the fact that you made the team over them or you had to start a job over them, whatever that is going to be critical of something that you're doing. Uh, getting to college, same sort of thing, where, whether it was trying to get a college scholarship or you know getting drafted and going through that out of high school. Well, all the other kids in the area who say aren't getting those scholarships or aren't going to get drafted are going to critique you. Well, even within the professional baseball world or within the college scouting world, you're also going to get critiqued as well. So for example, the knock on me was, oh, Burns can't play defense. Can't do it, right? Oh yeah, he can hit, he can run, but can't play defense. Well, the only thing that we can do is number one, ignore it, which I think is critical and important in all of it. But the other thing, remember this, is that every, thought, every time we're critiqued, every time there are naysayers, if there's something that we can learn from that, if there's something that we can get from that, if there's a way we could take that information and get better because of it, because of them being assholes, fine, do it. So I'll give you a perfect example here where I can play defense. Well, I played all over. And I wasn't great at any of it. I caught, I played infield, I played outfield. When I got to college, I was all outfield. And I made a commitment to become the absolute best outfielder I could possibly be, period. And that was it. So that included hundreds of thousands of fly balls over and over and over again. And so in college, and here's the funny thing, because it was never pretty. It was terrible. But other than University of Nevada Reno, UNR, where Mm. I came flying like this over to make a play, reached out, and I caught it. But I'm full speed over a fence that was like this high. I go full flip over the fence, and I drop the ball. That's the only ball I specifically remember dropping. Now, don't get me wrong, i dropped plenty of balls in, I don't know, it was a batting practice or, you know, screwed up plenty in, in my career. But I got to the point where it's like, okay, if I'm going to get to the ball, I'm going to catch it. The next thing was finding the routes, right? Figuring out how to perfectly get to these balls. And so that was a whole process that I would work on with T, who was the trainer that I worked with the whole time, Todd Linius, just – Right here, man. One of my, you know, best friends of life, and the guy that single-handedly helped create, I, uh, you know, turned me into one of the best outfielders in Major League Baseball. But it's all about the first step, right? It was all about figuring out how to open up. All the instruction now that I had, well, I give the kid, I not only a me, but our staff with let them play, is able to communicate to these kids. I didn't have that as a kid growing up. I didn't. I had none of it. And so there were little things along the way. When I was a sophomore in high school and CB Chris Bradford, head coach of St. Francis, put me out in right field, i never played right field before. My whole life I was shortstop, third base, catcher, pitcher. Well, I get to right field and the ball comes and I'm running after it and the ball's like this. <laughs> I think I might've caught her. Maybe not. And I come in and CB is like, yo, Bernsie, uh, Was the ball moving on you out there? I said, yeah, I said, coach. I said, badly. Like, yeah, what's up? He goes, yeah, try running on your toes. And so that's when we like exaggerated. I exaggerated at least always running on my toes. So the ball wasn't moving. Well, I was a fucking sophomore in high school. When I got this information, and this is stuff that I've been able to tell my kids since it was six, right? The same thing with the open up in the outfield where it's, I don't know, say a ball is hit over my shoulder to the right. I used to cross over, and that's like the ultimate sin step, I would call it, as opposed to everything is moving this way, moving this way, open up right, open up left. Well, this is all great information, that I was able to get uh, along the way. And then from there, I got into pro ball after UCLA, and I still wasn't great, but I just kept working and working and working and working. And the whole time, there's still the critics. They're still the naysayers. I got to the big leagues. My first game, I DH'd. I wasn't even in left field. So the jury was still very much out. On what kind of outfielder I was going to be. Well, in 2007, 2007, 2002, I was a defensive replacement. So remember that I would come in for David Justice. So obviously, they were seeing some value there beginning to. And then by 2007, I was the best left fielder in the game of baseball. Period. Period. Carl Crawford was pretty fucking good. So I'm still, I think, humbled or taken aback because there was one year that I beat him out for this field and bob award. And it, Sabermetrically, will look at all the outfielders and, you know, they were using the statistics and defensive metrics. This is like a, really at the very beginning of it to come up, Bill James and company to come up with what is the best left fielder, right fielder, center fielder, in baseball. So instead of handing out gold gloves in each league, gold gloves are, they're bullshit. They really are. I, I think they'll probably do a better job now than what they did, but it was a fucking popularity contest. I think it was Rafael Palmero won a gold glove one year and played like forty games at first base. It's just it's a joke. So my point of all this is that the critics in the naysayers then I get up broadcasting, right? And people don't like the way I talk. They don't like the way I sound. They don't like the the things I have to say, and you get bombarded from everywhere. and fans are really sensitive when you say something critical of their team. And nobody likes the national guy. Oh, geez. That's Joe Buck. The national guy, whoever the national guy, is, the most fucking hated person in, in the world. Giants fans know this. You have crook and Kipe all year, you know, with what is wax and poetic about the Giants, and they're the best of the best because they do have a way to, be critical like it's their silence is, is, is phenomenal but then you get into the postseason and you're dealing with that guy like Joe Buck who hadn't been calling games all year and then if he says something just off or that might seem to favor the Cardinals then they absolutely will bury him well of course I dealt with that and then you go into the endurance sports world where oh Burns like he's getting in the endurance sport like what's he doing and Number one, it's like, why would he? Why would he even do this? And then, as I was doing it, it's like, well, you know, yeah, like he's good, but he's, I mean, he's not. He's not finishing at the top, and it's just, it doesn't matter what it is. It it really doesn't. It doesn't. Whenever you're doing something and doing it well, no filter network. I like to think Giuseppe, Pepe, Manually, and I said, "Fuck it," grabbed our balls, and said, "Let's create something cool. Let's create something that." A platform that we will be able to not only use ourselves, but give to the people to communicate where we're not censored, where potentially we do these live alternative broadcasts and just offer a different perspective. And still, with what we do, and whether it's a daily hustle, Deuces Wild, all of it, we are going to get critiqued. It's too much this, it's too much that. Look, stay true to yourself. Stay pure to yourself. I think that's the most important thing. Do the right thing. Say the right thing. When you do things for good intentions, you continue to work. That's the only thing that matters. But just know this. The critics, no matter what, will always be there. And it's okay because guess what? When they're not there, that's when you should start to worry. When all of a sudden nobody is critical of anything that you're doing, yeah, that might be, uh, might be time to go ahead and check in with yourself and figure out if it's time to obviously change what you are doing. Okay, the biggest story of the weekend, in my humble opinion, in the baseball world, and this is not even close. This is crazy. The most undercovered story out there. That nobody is talking about. Ronald Acuna Jr. Unanimously. Wins the MVP. And then. Minutes afterwards. Minutes. He's on the field in Venezuela. Playing for the Tiburones. Of the Venezuelan winter league. I don't know. Maybe an hour later. This dude's going fucking deep. So understand this, Ronald Acuna Jr., the dude that hit 40 and ripped 70 this year, it's never been done in the history of Major League Baseball. On the night he won the National League Most Valuable Player Award, he's playing baseball. If you want to be great, you've got to be obsessed. We say it all the time here and the daily hustle and nothing says I'm obsessed more than watching an MVP on the same night he receives the award go out and play the game it actually warms my heart because it shows me that Acuna is in this for the right reasons now Of course, the critics are going to come out. No, it's all for show, this, for that. Fuck off. Seriously. You don't go out and play winter ball like this unless you love this game. And Acuna has been criticized in the past where he almost didn't play in the WBC because the Braves have said, nah, come the spring training, you're coming off the knee injury, Yada yada, whatever. Well, He had to have Miguel Cabrera go and talk him into it. He's like, Yeah, fine. If it's okay with the Braves, it's okay with me. And he went and played in the WBC. Well, playing baseball in Venezuela, and I know this because I played five years in the Dominican Republic, it's everything to these guys. It really is. Now, check this out. The last time an MVP so much as played. In the same winter league season in which he won the MVP award was 0405 Vladimir Guerrero Sr. My teammate Lise Capayone motherfuckers. That's right. right. I'll never forget watching Vladdy and seeing him in the dugout and around and what that meant to the people and most importantly what it meant to the dudes in the locker room that was everything to have that presence and be that inspiration there's always the next generation that's coming up and i remember being in the locker room with gee i mean izzy alcantara's kid one of the cutest kids I've ever seen in my life but the, you know they're all there and he was like a god to everybody so i couldn't imagine What the feeling is around that team in Venezuela, the Tiburones, and the crowd that went absolutely berserk when Ronald Acuna Jr. hit the home run. Once again, first and foremost, I like to think we're a life optimization podcast. We like to give you nuggets of wisdom, faith, whatever it is to help you charge forward with your life and give you some inspiration. Ronald Acuna Jr., he is arguably the best player in the game of baseball. He is the best offensive player in the game of baseball. Go ahead and give me Otani. That's fine. I'm good with it. He had the greatest season ever, by the way, in the history of Venezuelan-born baseball players. Number one. And I guess that would be according to war. So anyhow, there's an article here in the... New York Post. And, of course, they were going to be all over it. But, hold tight here. And you know they were going to dramatize it, and rightfully so. Ronald Acuna celebrated the National League MVP honors in a different way on the field. The Brave Star won his award, then participated in a Venezuelan Winter League game an hour after winning the award, crushing a homer in an 11-4 win with the Tiburones de la Guarilla. Acuna was making the season debut for the Tiburones on Thursday night, and the game was pushed back an hour to accommodate the announcement. I don't know what to say, just super excited, happy, Acuna said in Spanish while appearing on MLB Network after it was announced he won the NL MVP, hopefully by the grace of God. I can have an even better year next year than the one I just had. Acuna became the first Latin player to participate in winter league baseball in his home country after winning the MVP award since Vladimir Guerrero senior playing Dominican league in 2004, 2005 Guerrero had won the AL MVP in 04 as a member of the angels. Acuna had a historic year hitting 41 home runs, recording an NL leading 73 bases to become the first member of the 4070 club. His on base percentage, 416, OPS, 1012, hits, tw- t- t- 217, and runs scored. Listen to this run score number 149. They were all NL best. Naturally, after Acuna captured the MLB honors, he went out and showed. Why he's quickly become a star in baseball, a 25-year-old. This is nuts, too. He's 25. That's it. This is six year in the, in the league. So he came up when he was 19. Acuna is playing in the Venezuelan Winter League for the second consecutive year and was hoping that he can once again use it to propel him to another strong season for the Braves, who made a trade to add a reliever on... Thursday night, quote, there's always time to learn. There's always time to improve. And that's one of the reasons why I'm here to improve every day as a person, as a ball player, and have a great year the upcoming season. God willing, like this one. Acuna said in an interview posted to the Tiberones account on X, quote, like I've said before. With more time on the field, I think a ball player can develop his abilities and can get better results, improve his style of game. Acuna added, "I think that was a case for me this year." So, mic drop. That's it. I, right, Ronald Acuna Jr. is not only going to out hustle you, but he's going to outwork you, and. You think about the greatest players to ever play sports. Every one of these guys was fucking obsessed. MJ obsessed. Tom Brady obsessed. Lance Armstrong obsessed. Tiger Woods obsessed. So when all of a sudden you see in a Ronald Acuna Jr., the NL MVP, playing on this same night that he wins the NL MVP award, it's just, It goes in line with what the greatest athletes of all time do. They just keep going. And yeah, look, he's got some flash to him. He's got some flair to him. He's been criticized before, of course, because the critics are always going to be there. But who gives a shit? Just keep doing you. That's all I can say to Ronald Cunha Jr. His hustle on the field is unmatched. It is. And he's been dogged before for dogging it well if you watch him between the lines when it matters this guy hustles as much if not more than anybody in the entire game of baseball okay we got eight things highly emotional people never do this is a good one i was reading a article last night and it says, I study people with high emotional intelligence. That's what it is. Not highly emotional. Eight things people with high emotional intelligence never do. Huh. Uh, the most emotionally intelligent people have the rare ability to acknowledge not just their own emotions, but also the emotions of others. They use this information to engage the people around them and bring everyone together. As the author of Emotional Intelligence Game Changers, 101 Ways to Win at Life and Work, I've spent 20 years studying the habits of emotionally intelligent people. To grow and develop meaningful relationships, you have to communicate and read body language effectively. Here are eight things people with highly emotional intelligence never do when talking to others. I think there's this, um, there's definitely like a trend of instead of saying here's all the things that they do do you say okay well here are the things they don't do i've been noticing this in all these life optimization sort of articles that i've been reading lately okay number one they don't just focus on themselves everyone appreciates being acknowledged for something they did well and have pride in doing this with sincerity ensures that you will be remembered in a positive light, putting you in a category above all the people who haven't seemed to notice. Number two, they don't force their opinions on others. When you argue with someone or make them feel coerced, they will naturally become defensive and erect barriers. This will work against your persuasive efforts. Instead, allow the other person to feel That they are in control of the situation by inviting them to talk while you actively listen. Number three, they don't say, it's not my responsibility. Exceptional employees will not walk past a problem or something they could help with just because it's not their job, just in their job description. They're always willing to share their time and knowledge. Number four, they don't waste their time with just anybody. Mentally tough and self-aware people hang out with other positive thinking individuals with whom they share common goals and aspirations. They support one another and celebrate each other's achievements. Negative people, on the other hand, will only drain your energy. When you're around them, do your best to tune out the noise and limit your interaction. Number five, they don't let anything distract them when others are speaking. Have you ever spoken with someone who's distracted, glancing at other people in the crowd or checking their watch while you were speaking? You likely felt like you were not important to that person. Make others aware that you are focused by facing them squarely, smiling, and making eye contact. Put the fucking phone away. That's what I tell my kids. Seriously, I'm walking around. Even if you have your phone in your hand or the phone's on the table, put the phone away. Always Pocket, back pocket, engage. Eyeballs. It's so rare these days that if you're able to do these simple little things, you're going to win in life. It's become so much of a joke with the way that people use their phones and handle their phones and everything else that if you can, look, obviously, I live a lot of my life not on one phone, but wait, there's more. Here's two phones. I got an iPad, a broken-ass iPad, by the way, that I got I to gotta get down to Reno and get fixed. I, I'm doing the show on the computer right now, so that's four devices. Like, trust me, I'm not device overload. But when I get into a conversation and I get into, I don't know, just say I'm going to go to the Perk and sit down and I'm going to have a nice breakfast. And if I engage in any sort of conversation there at that point, everything else is gone. It's immediately... Phew shut off and we as humans need that we have to have it we do it's our psychological welfare needs conversation with people engaged conversation meaningful conversation where we fucking lose all devices and phones and everything else it's really really important okay number six they don't forget the little details when you meet someone for the first time, repeat their name and sprinkle it throughout the conversation. I'm going to give you guys another little trick right here. All right. Hey. No, Bernsey, this is Bob. Hey, Bob. Nice to meet you. Yeah, 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 cool. Uh, Bob, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Pittsburgh. Bob from Pittsburgh. I'm Eric from Truckee. Sweet. Okay. So then, you know, get distracted, having a conversation elsewhere, come back. You're like, oh yeah, I met that guy. Really, what's his name? Well, when I met him, and he said his name was Bob, I thought of Bob Euchre. here you go. So, Bob Euchre photo right there. But I thought of Bob Euchre. And then what do I remember about Bob? He says he's from Pittsburgh. So as soon as I saw Bob, the first person I think of is Bob Euchre. And then the second thing, when he says he's from Pittsburgh, I think of the Pittsburgh Steelers for whatever reason. That's how I remember it. That's how you, I remember his name, number one, just it with Euchre. And number two, obviously where he's from, immediately associated with something that I would associate that town with. It's, it's actually pretty easy. It said, remember things that are important, such as names of their partner, children, pets, favorite vacation spots. By doing so and mentioning them at appropriate times, the next time you see them, you'll stand out. That's right. As your relationship deepens, consider taking a note of important dates, birthdays, anniversaries, all that, and then send cards or call on those dates. I don't think it's necessary. I mean, I do. I like it. I guess it's pretty cool when I get a happy half birthday from Johnny Doskow." Uh. I don't know if guys are really super into that, especially an anniversary thing. I mean, I I know my wife's into it. That'd be important. Anyhow, number seven, they stay away from offensive or tasteless jokes. Uh, Simply put, if there's any possibility that someone might find a joke offensive, don't say it. It's one of the quickest ways to turn people off because it indicates a huge deficit of awareness and sensitivity. Yeah, I don't think – I mean, it's just a joke in general. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't even tell jokes to my kids. Now, I'll joke around, and I think that's important. But as far as you getting into jokes and then uh, – so get in uh, anyway. All right, number eight. They don't do all the talking. Emotionally intelligent, people try to listen and discern more about the situation. This is one thing I don't love about this, doing it myself. I fucking talking to myself for an hour. It's tough. It is. That's why we try to keep communications open. And, you know, Henry came on here last week. Got to get Kowalski back. This is a big week for Kowalski. Pretty sure he's off work. His boss yesterday, by the way, did his first Ironman. I don't know his boss's name, but definitely give him a little uh, Daily Hustle, a round of applause. And they run a performance, athletic performance center out in Scottsdale. Where it's all about functional body movements, and it's really cool. I don't quite grasp it or get everything, but Kowalski's been working for him for a few months now, and I know he works with a lot of athletes. Corbin Carroll's one of the guys that goes goes there, and so Kowalski helped train this guy for his first Ironman. He was out there for almost 15 hours. I got a lot of respect for that, a lot. Now, is it a great Ironman time? No, but for somebody's first. And to go out there and grind for 15 hours, it's your first one's all about crossing the tape. You know, from there, if this guy decides he wants to do another one, he can start improving upon the time. But, you know, congratulations. So I'm going back and forth with Kowalski about that this morning. But like I said, they don't do all the talking. They ask questions. They allow the other person an opportunity to better express themselves and understand how he or she is acting and feeling. Okay. The uh, – Big news yesterday. We have a, you know, week 11 recap here of the NFL. Big cock Brock is back. That's right. Brock Purdy, who's become such a big subject here on the Daily Hustle, he was killing it. Henry Markin came on here a few weeks ago after his concussion, and he played through the concussion and had a couple bad games. And Henry. Was calling for Brock's job. And I'm like, dude, are you kidding? Like two weeks ago, we we're talking about he, how he was the perfect quarterback. And then yesterday, what does Big Cock Brock do? He has a perfect passer rating. Now, I still don't get how it works because he had four incompletions, but he had a perfect passer rating. The first time it's been done since Joe Montana. So, obviously, Brock is back, and it is fantastic to see the Niners need him. If you've noticed, when Brock has a good game, they win. And when he doesn't, they lose. He had three bad games in a row. They didn't win. But when he's firing on all cylinders, his head is clear, no concussion symptoms, nothing else, he is fantastic. A uh, little recap here it says week 11 has been nothing if not wild. In Houston, the Texans held off a comeback bid by the Cardinals, winning 24 19 despite CJ Stroud throwing three interceptions. Meanwhile, the Lions staged a furious fourth quarter rally in Detroit, coming back from a 12 point deficit to beat the Bears, earning a key NFC North victory. In the late window, the Bills hammered the Jets in what amounted to a Playoff game at Highmark Stadium. Now the difficult test comes for Buffalo with road trips to the Eagles and Chiefs. How the fuck did they do Who made this schedule? It's a stupid. As for New York, it has sustained a third consecutive defeat with the Dolphins 7-3 on tap at MetLife Stadium. Finally, Sunday night football it gives us – the resurgent Vikings and Broncos. So this one last night, this one hurt. Oh, we had the Broncos minus two and a half. I hate taking short favorites. And here's the reason why. Short favorites oftentimes will win. But they also oftentimes don't cover. So if you have a short favorite that's minus one minus one and a half minus two or minus two and a half always take the money line always take the money line and the reason being is that you're gonna pay a little extra juice but when the Broncos did not convert the two-point conversion last night after scoring the game-winning touchdown with just over a minute to go or whatever it was oh that one hurts because here you are you're celebrating the Broncos and I have something on my fantasy league uh Team two. And what a what a catch by him. That guy's legit. Why or how they don't throw the ball more to Sutton? I have no idea. But he made that sick one-handed grab earlier in the game. Then he had the touchdown catch where he was kind of just leaped in the air like a high jumper. I think that was what Chris Collinsworth was referring to him as. It was awesome. But unfortunately, they had some. Bullshit call as Giuseppe Manweppe, Giuseppe, Giuseppe Manweppe, Pepe Manuele, uh referred to it as, it was bull, it was a terrible fucking call. Terrible. I don't know, they tried to run it in. Shitty two-point try, they don't get it. Broncos hang on, they win by one. Win, no cover. Ugh. That one stung a little bit. Now, on that same note, also, be careful with the algorithms, because we went on the action website yesterday. And I'm like, let's just take a look at what the algorithms say for the OUs in the morning sleep. So, we picked, it was five, I think five games in the morning. Regardless, there were five games that there was a difference between what the actual OU total was and the line was. So, there were some unders and overs, whatever, didn't matter. But there was a statistical advantage we thought for all of them. So I sent a picture of it. I sent it to Pepe, uh, Pepe Manuele. And it, he's like, What do you want? To do? I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, you want fire away? Like, this fire away all five, put one unit on it. I mean, we'll go three and two, make a little bit of money. <sighs> oh, four and one. Yeah, exactly. Be careful with the algae. Uh, Sunday scores 49ers, 27 bucks. 17, it was the Broncos 21-20 Talked about those two games. The Rams take down the Sea Chickens. That was a big win for the Niners because they now go to Seattle to take on the Seahawks in what's going to be a pivotal matchup for the NFC West. The Bills donkey stomp the Jets 32-6, and then they were fighting in the tunnel on the way back to the locker room. I got to believe there's a better way to send people back then through the same tunnel. It's always a little weary of that. Texans big win against the Cardinals 21-16. CJ Stroud, the three picks, but who gives a shit? He leads them down to uh, get the victory. The Browns take down the Steelers 13-10. I mean, if that wasn't the underlock of the year, I don't know what was. The Browns DTR. That's right. The UCLA quarterback uh, took over and he was fine. I mean, he wasn't perfect, but he was fine. Let's see here. With Dorian Thompson Robinson at the helm, the Browns threw for 165 yards. And yeah, sure. Is it enough in the playoffs against a team with a functional quarterback? No. Is it enough to reach the postseason? Probably. What are they? I think they're seven and three now. Both those teams were six and three going into yesterday. The Lions are eight and two now. Big victory against the Bears. They fell behind early. There's just too much volatility with that team. I just I I, I love them. They're really easy to root for. Dan Campbell and crew. But that's just I don't know. Um, it says here the what the Dolphins 2013 over the Raiders. So they hang on. The Cowboys, they were – that was a loss, though. They were like, what, 13-and-a-half-point favorites. The Cowboys, 33-10 over the Panthers. That was another lock. They hit the over at 43 right on the button. I knew the Cowboys were going to score 30-plus. The only question was how many Carolina was going to score. And look at Carolina's offense. It's fucking pathetic when it comes to points per game. I was looking at – it was like 13, 14. I mean, this team scored 20 points in like once out of the past five or six games, the Packers beat the chargers. Yep. Everyone's once again, all over the chargers for losing a tight game. The Jags take care of the Titans, a big comeback win after they got pounded by the Niners and then the giants. This one stunk, man. I, you knew the giants were going to play the commanders tough. They were eight commanders were eight point favorites. The, the fucking commander should be eight-point favorites against anybody. Uh, not at all. And then uh, you know, Thursday it was a Ravens and the Bengals. Let me check the chat here. Fire it open. It's been rocking and rolling. John Davis, what's up? Pete, John Emmanuel Ramos, Henderson, Amo, Michelle Drew, and the rest of the crew. Very pleasant. Uh, good morning to you. I posted a thing this morning by the way of uh, it was a speech that wally backman gave it's so fucking fantastic i there's no other way to put it it was one of my favorite speeches that i've ever heard and i don't know when it was given i don't think it really matters when it was given but it's just you, you know the way he presented it it's just I mean, I've heard this speech from, from our managers before. And I just feel like they're kind of a dying breed. My point to all this is let's get Wally Backman a job at the Big Leagues. How this guy isn't the manager of the Mets, I have no fucking idea. I Now, I get it. He was, and he got a job. I don't know if it was Arizona or wherever. He got a job way back when. And then... There was something that was shady, and I don't know exactly what happened. Whether it was DUI, there was some other things. There was an arrest. I look, well, it's we're so we're so far past and removed from that. And then everyone's like, "Oh, Wally will never manage in the big leagues, dude." This guy's a fucking big league manager, and I someone's got to give him a shot. I, I 100% would. And if you want to condemn him and and again, like, I don't know the details of whatever it was, but he's not in jail. He didn't kill it. He didn't kill anybody. Like, give him, give this guy a chance because he's an ultimate baseball guy, somebody that obviously has an extreme passion for the game, somebody that's been a long time manager. I remember the guys with the Arizona Diamondbacks telling me way back when who were coming up, Connor Jackson and Carlos Quentin, saying how he's the best manager they ever played for and how awesome of a dude that he is. Okay, the top 25 recap for college football. Uh, Georgia, week 10 result, they defeated Tennessee 38-10. to They're now 11-0. Ohio State took down Minnesota 37-3. They're now 11-0. Michigan hung on against Maryland 31-24 without Jim Harbaugh. They're 11-0. And then the Huskies of Washington, they had a tight one, beating Oregon State in Corvallis 22-20. Uh, number five, Florida State, they got they had, you know a huge victory against North Alabama, 58-13, but their quarterback, Jordan Travis, left with a leg injury in the first quarter, and that might do it for their national title hopes. That's a tough one. That really is. Oregon looks like the best team in the fucking country. I, I'd have a tough time keeping them out of anything. They beat Arizona State 49 to 13. It felt like it could have been 100. They were up, you know, it just it, whatever the score was at halftime. Mean, they're just, they're unstoppable. That offense is next level. The Longhorns, they beat Iowa State. Texas did 26 16. Alabama. 66-10 over Chattanooga. They're 10-1. Louisville's 10-1. They beat Miami 38-31. To round out the top 10, it was the Missouri Tigers beating Florida in a tight one. 33-31. And they are now 9-2. and two. Quick little side note here before we go. 22-year-old head coach. That's right. 22 Year-old head coach of the UNC Chapel Hill field hockey team. Brian Matson and some other North Carolina field hockey parents gathered on Sunday like they normally do before home matches. They're in their usual spot to greet the Tar Heels while they made their way from the locker room to the field. This time, though, there were a few notable differences. For one, it was the afternoon of the national championship and another final between UNC and Northwestern. And also, there was a throng of people all around. Students had been lined up outside Karen Shelton Stadium for more than an hour. The 900 Carolina blue seats were all pretty much filled. So, too, was any space to stand on a small hill or along the fence bordering the field. So I've been there, and I went there, and that's why this story Really interests me because I saw them training when we were out in North Carolina, and they were they just they were savages. I mean, the way they were getting after it with the field hockey, and it's the coolest field hockey field I've ever seen. Well, they have a 22-year-old head coach that just helped them win the NCAA title. Aaron Matson is her name. It says, indeed, a rare crowd. 3,200 was the official number gathered here on Sunday for a rare kind of moment, the culmination of the latest installment of the Aaron Matson Show. Season one, or was it season six? For almost a year now, Aaron Matson, the daughter of Brian and his wife, Jill, has been the center of arguably the greatest story in college athletics. Listen to this. Yes, the gist of the story. If it were to be pitched to a Hollywood producer, what happens when the best field hockey player in the country, arguably the best American college player in the history of the sport, graduates one month and at the end of it, at the end of the next, becomes the head coach of her old college team? What sort of hijinks ensue? What sort of challenges? What sort of pressure? How does it end? Well, in the case of Aaron Madsen, it ended here on Sunday with another national championship, her fifth since arriving at UNC as a teenage phenom in 2018 as a record-setting forward. Matson helped lead Tar Heels to four national championships, including one last year when she scored the winning goal with 79 seconds remaining against Northeastern. Okay, let's just step back for a second. So... Aaron Madsen is known as the best field hockey player in the country. She was a decorated recruit. She goes to UNC. She helps them win four national championships. Four in a row. But wait, there's more. Because instead of graduating and going on to do whatever you do, I don't know if they have professional field hockey or what. She decides and gets offered the opportunity to take over as a head coach of the field hockey program and then promptly goes out there and leads them to another national championship. She has five national championships now in her five years with the Tar Heels. It's fucking insane. Good for Erin Matson. On that note, let's get out of here. Everyone have a fantastic day. We'll leave you with a little, ah, let's go. We have an M.O.K. right here. Sure. Swallow understanding from people of good will is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. One of the greatest casualties of the war in Vietnam is the Great Society shot down on the battlefield of Vietnam? I didn't think the show was gonna take a turn like that. Uh I just want to do God's will. And He's allowed me to go to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as people will get. To the promised land. So, I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. MLK! Everyone have a great Monday. Back at you tomorrow, Tuesday. For another Deuces Wild Daily Hustle. That's it. Say ya!